0: The Antipod.
1: Welcome to the Antipode. I'm Amélie, and uh, Ben will be joining me today. Uh, ben and I met um, one year ago when I was doing an internship in uh, Niwa, so the National Institute of Water and Atmospheric in New Zealand, where he, he was also working. Um, so. I was there for really different reasons because uh, I'm an artist and was working on the link between art and science. And uh, we talked a lot about what science and art meant for us. And I'm here today to talk with him again about a different subject. (laughs) And so, first of all, uh, how are you?
0: I'm great, thank you. (laughs) Happy to be here with you again.
1: Happy to see you again, too. Could you tell us a little bit about your last days in New Zealand?
0: Yes, for sure. So basically, what I've done after um, the last episode where I was in Riften, I went to the um, Abel Tasman National Park, which is in the very north of uh, South Island. And um, it was so beautiful. Like I arrived in a super small place called Kaiteriteri, and there um, there was like a beautiful beach with like the perfect golden sand and the transparent water, and um, it was just like very perfect. I stayed at this um, lodge that was actually like a, um, a hostel. But the problem was that the the same day I arrived, there was like um, a huge bus of 18 years old that were traveling New Zealand that stayed at the hostel. So the hostel was a mess instantly, like at, I don't know, 7 p.m. The kitchen of the hostel that was super clean when I arrived became like this huge pile of garbage Like, (laughs) it was the worst experience in a hostel ever because they were so loud and I just came to that place to actually relax and like, you know, spend two days at the beach or something just like um, after like a couple of days like uh, under the rain and all that. So It was um, kind of really uh, straining to be there, surrounded by all these, um, yeah, these teenagers, basically. And um, that was kind of annoying.
1: You sound like an old man.
0: (laughs) The same night, I actually um, get got to know uh, a few of them that were for, from um, Scandinavia, and we played cards together. And you know, they were nice, but they were also like, you know, you you could feel the the age difference when they were talking about, you know, like stuff on their phones on social media. And I was like, this is not why I came here. You know, like, I, I when I travel, I don't want to hear about instagram stories and stuff like this like i don't care they were talking about stuff that you know I'm, I'm too old now i know that 26 uh 26 years old that's my age it doesn't sound like so much older in terms of generational difference but it does it still doesn't make a difference <laughs> i don't know
1: yeah i think it's not such a big age gap but like the years between when you're 18 and between 20 it's like one of the time of your life where you learn and you change the most and you can really see you don't see the world the same way when you are 18 and we are, you are 20 even if the difference is so small
0: yeah i think the reason is because you go from a point where you're de- dependent where you're still like, you know, probably um, um, cared for by your family and supported by your family. And then you become independent and you have to uh, earn your own money. So you're kind of like your frame of reference is kind of completely changed and your priorities are not the same anymore. I think it has a lot to do with that.
1: And during your trips and travels, do you talk more with people your age or do you also talk with people that are really older or younger? That's
0: a, that's a good question. Actually, I, I get to talk to a lot of different age groups because I, I hitchhike and um, I do couch surfing. So in hostels, for example, I would more encounter um, mechanically people of my own age uh, or in that case, younger. <laughs> um, but in when I hi- hitchhike and I ride with people that have cars, they're usually a little bit older most of the time. Uh, or much older. Because uh, people who are like 50, 60, even 70 sometimes, like they pick me up and we get to talk for like 15 minutes or even an hour sometimes. So definitely it's interesting to me because I get to meet so many different people, and a lot of these people are local, they're from New Zealand, so I get kind of an, a, a, an image, a picture of the country uh, from many different points of view and many different generations that live there, so I get to learn a lot about their culture this way.
1: So going back to you staying in the hostel with all of these young people, what did you do after and what's, like, can you tell us more about your trip?
0: Um, yeah of course so um so what i did the next day is actually i took the um a boat that takes us to the the um, the center of the national park which is actually cannot be accessed by uh by car so you have to go by boat um or by foot or something so i wanted to hike like in the the core of the park And um, that's what I did. Basically, I took the boat and I hiked and it was so beautiful. And I saw a few um, native birds. That experience was great because I learned about, I didn't know before, um, but this place, Abel Tasman, was actually one of the first points of contact between the Maori people and the explorers from Europe. So there was a lot about that that was said. around the boat around the hike whenever there was some um, information and um, yeah that was really interesting and I spent a a great day there. After this experience at Abel Tasman which was probably actually um, looking back it was probably my favorite place of the whole of the South Island. I really loved it but then I decided to go kind of fast towards the place where you get the ferry which is Picton because mm-hmm. I wanted to go back to Wellington. And I kind of stopped really quickly on the way in Nelson, which is kind of a big city. And I didn't really like the, the, the look of the place when I arrived. So I just decided to to leave fast. And actually, that might have been a mistake. Because usually when, wow. <laughs> when I hitchhike, I have like a number one rule, which is stop where you are after 5 pm and it was 3 pm when i left nelson and i still had not so much kilometers to do i think it was maybe 45 kilometers left but it took a while to get out of nelson because it's a bigger city and then a guy who picked me up finally was a kind of like a big tracker like uh, and um it was really nice but like um he's left me at a small village called, called Havelock, and I was like, I need to get to Picton because there's nothing here, so I need to go, and nobody picked me up. I mean, like, there were, there were cars going to the, the ferry town, but nobody picked me up, and I was kind of pissed, <laughs> but then um, I kind of started, like, someone picked me up, but didn't go all the way because they were camping in the middle of the, of the sounds beautiful place. It's like fjords, basically. But then it was also kind of empty. For some reason, I expected many people would go to the ferry and all that, but um, there were actually not many people. And then it came a time where it was almost seven and I was in the middle of nowhere. So that was that.
1: Did you panic?
0: I didn't really panic, but I was was definitely worried. And um, I started to to come forward to people like in houses that were kind of scattered around and tell them like, you know, um, I'm a hitchhiker, there's um, nobody want to pick me up. And now there's like nobody on the road, like literally there's one car every 10 minutes or something. And so I was wondering if you might give me a hand and like um, take me to Picton because it's like 20 kilometers away and, you know, it would be really helped me out but they would refuse or they wouldn't you know they wouldn't know what I'm talking about and they would say like you can keep trying people will stop for you but they didn't and I was not surprised because like after that time it's like when night starts to fall a hitchhiker on the road is kind of suspicious even for New Zealand so I was like nobody's gonna come for me Cut to um, 8 p.m. And like, I'm literally in, still in the middle of nowhere. I started just walking and I was 18 kilometers still at least from Picton. And I was like, I'm not going to make it. But the thing is, I'm not stupid. So I'm not going to travel and hitchhike in a place I don't know without a lifeline. And um, in every country, it can be different. In New Zealand, my lifeline is simple. What do you think it is? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my lifeline is one one one. So I called the police, and I said, "Like, um, hi, oh. I'm a hitchhiker, and I'm lost in the middle of nowhere, and I would appreciate if you could come and rescue me." Basically, <laughs> um, so yeah so they they asked me a lot of questions about my identity where i came from why i was where i was and where i was and they said look we have another job at at the time but um uh, stick around and stay exactly where you are and uh, we will check upon you later so i waited and um, then I, I had no, like, it was already hard for me to call the police because I had no reception with my phone. And it was, like, pretty hard to just even call them. And I was, like, su- super surprised because I thought this number, like, always works. You know, like, the emergency services, it, you know, it's the thing that do- doesn't need reception, but maybe it does after all. And so after that, I just... um tried to find reception, and as soon as I did, I called a hostel that I was supposed to stay in Picton, and I and told them the situation, and they said, oh, but you know, the police is not going to come, they have other things to do, we're going to send someone to fetch you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> okay, sure, if you can, that would be lovely. So then, at that point, I knew I had, like, at least two teams of people that were working on coming to fetch me. So I I felt more relaxed, but still I had to wait another 40 minutes in the middle of nowhere, like in the real pitch dark uh, with nothing around. And that was a bit, not scary because, you know, there was the light from the moon and so on. (laughs) But still, (laughs) I was like, uh, wait, what? So, um, yeah, in the end, the people from the hostel arrived and... um, they they were really nice and so i was about to go with them when the police car arrived actually like just one minute later and um so i said like to them no wait wait, wait. i need to tell the police that i'm safe and i'm going with you and so i went to the police car and cut to that perfect blonde man really really super beautiful <laughs> and uh super sexy and he's like hey ben we like we heard your call and like we came to see if you're okay and blah blah and uh, and so i had to explain to this this handsome man that uh, i couldn't go with him because these uh, the guys from the hostel that like, came to <laughs> came to see me and i was like this is karma like <laughs>
1: i think it's really interesting that because sometimes New Zealand feels really safe. And mm. like you would say, oh, I'm in a kind of a safe place. Even if you're a hitchhiker, you can sometimes feel like it's a country where I, I can do things. And you could take risks, but you decided to call the police and other people and to find many different options where you felt safe. And you said you hesitated to call the police, but that's something really important when you don't feel it always like find many options and one will work but don't say oh I don't feel like calling I won't do it because sometimes it's like the one thing that can really help and save you and you should don't feel bad for like asking people and telling people and kind of like it's like something you learn while traveling to to talk to people and even if you're not comfortable doing mig at the moment it's something that could really help you and you you should always like do the things that makes it safe and uh, don't be afraid to even if it's weird to ask people but to do it in order to be safe
0: definitely definitely and it's um it's actually um i found out that relying on people is actually gratifying for both parties and um because you feel safe and they feel good helping someone as well (laughs) Um, yeah,
1: and you might end up talking to beautiful blonde cop, so
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was so mad like i had to i had to let him go but um he was I, I found him so nice that he actually came all the way to um to meet with me and um that was that kind of like reassured my choice in um calling 9- uh, 111 to you know um as a lifeline if i ever got lost because you know this was the proof that they would come and help me and not leave me in the middle of nowhere so that was really satisfying just to be able to prove that point as well that the police at least in the countryside in new zealand are really helpful in these situations
1: i think in new zealand every time i i felt like i needed information or things like that i would always find somebody and that's one of the reasons I was really like if you're a young person or a woman, it's a place where you feel safe and it's easy to travel and you don't have the same kind of, um, mentalities. And like, for example, for the four months I spent there, like nobody ever talked to me in a way I wasn't comfortable. Like mm. I've never had a bad encounter and, uh, Maybe for the most part, I think the people are nicer and more open to helping people. And uh, that's why it's so easy to travel there. But also when you feel safe, you can make mistakes. So you don't like to say, oh, they're all nice. Let's go and do stupid things. But um...
0: (laughs) yeah, definitely they are respectful and they are helpful and lovely and really warm. So my experience in New Zealand is really positive in, you know, as a whole last thing I want to say about this experience is that the hostel there, I was, it was like the best experience in a hostel probably ever. Like it was the greatest hostel I've stayed at. You really feel like you're at your grandma's place. The owner was like this kind of like maybe 50, 60, 60, years old, like super short lady, but like super warm. And like she talks to everybody, every guest and... She's really attending to your needs and make sure that you have everything you, you need. And uh, The whole place was so charming and full of art. You would have loved it. Like <laughs> all, the, all the walls were painted with uh, scenes from like the Im- imagination of the, this lady and like all the fantasies and like, it was brilliant. Like I loved it so much. So that was the Atlantis Backpackers in Picton. I have to do a shout out because it's so good and um, such a lovely place. So yeah, if you go to New Zealand to Picton, you should definitely stop um, to that place. Yeah,
1: that was one of my huge disappointments because I was only there for three months. And I was working, like doing my internship in in Wellington. So the time that I had to actually travel was so small because I was there to do something and I took the time but then I realized if I want to go to the South Island, I need to take a lot of time, do a lot of planning and uh, travel alone and not knowing many people and I could also just think I can do small things around me and uh, just go to places and meet, meet meet people and then with my friends we traveled in the north. So. I didn't get to go to the south. It's not something that I regret because I think what I did, I like I, I had to choose something. But like to go in a country and just to visit one half is really frustrating. But sometimes it's also like I could do more thing just staying close because less travel and that. But it was so fr- fr- frustrating not to be able to see everything and you have like kind of deal with that and you, because you have the opportunity to go back again and you have such a close link now with this and you might like, you're going to go again. You, you don't have this kind of, yeah. Oh, I didn't do that. It sucks. You say, Oh, I didn't do that. I just want to go back. And that's.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I know what you mean. And at the same time, I think, you know, life is long and you never know whether, You'd have the opportunity to go back or not. And
1: um, yeah, you have to just accept it and just enjoy what you did and don't think exactly. about what you left have
0: done. Because <laughs> at, at, at the same time, when you reflect, um, I don't know about you, but even though I feel that I've seen a lot of it, I haven't um, really explored even half of France, for example, you know? Yeah, the same.
1: You're traveling and like, oh, I want to see everything in this country. But have I seen everything in my country? I don't think so. Like you, yeah. and traveling to New Zealand made me made me want to travel. Friends and I was like, wow, that's so <laughs> funny that going too far away makes you want to travel so close. You know?
0: Yeah, <laughs> but I'm going. I'm going to reassure you. Um, in saying that, personally, I think probably this is a an unpopular opinion but i preferred traveling in the north island than the south island and many people say that they prefer the south island like i'd say maybe 95 percent of the people i met in in new zealand say the south island is better but honestly my experience of the south island was that it was very beautiful but at the same time it was Landscapes that were similar to what I uh, some places I've seen before in the past, like in the U.S. or in uh, Norway or in the Alps, and um, it was kind of a mix of all that with, like, of course, the special kind of New Zealand touch. But it was similar, and um, all the people I've met were uh, were either PaKea or. Um, people like traveling from mostly France or Germany, there was a lot of French, a lot of German people kind of doing the same thing and some English people as well. And so after a while, it kind of became repetitive, you know, and I, I was thinking what I experienced in the North Island where. You've got um, volcanoes and like the, the tropical forest and all this Maori culture and the, the hot springs. To me, it was way more exotic than the South Island. And so I enjoyed it more. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Did you want to like add anything about the rest of your trip? We've been discussing about your last days in New Zealand. At that time, it was your last day, but you also... Uh, Started to learn about the pandemic. And um, so, what was it like to try to enjoy what you were doing while having to think do I need to go back home? And uh, is it safe? Like, it must Um, be kind of weird to enjoy the moment while thinking about those things.
0: It's kind of hard to say because there are some times I was really thinking about it. Like, for example, the first night in the in the hostel in Kaiteriteri, Italy, there was this girl in my room that w- that seemed really sick. And I was like, why are you here? You know, like, and she was from Europe. She was Danish. So um, I was like, you know, the virus started to become really ser- serious in Denmark. And now you, maybe you just arrived. Maybe you realize you were sick. And then, why are you here maybe putting people at risk? Of course, there was only conjunctures because maybe she wasn't sick of the virus, but it was kind of like making me stress a bit. And then there was there were other time I was like, oh, it doesn't matter, it's not like here yet. So, you know, I wasn't really thinking of the gravity of the situation yet. Um, it's really only when I arrived in Wellington that I really no. realized you know, when I met all of my colleagues that were arriving from Europe recently, and they were all like, this is, you know, this is bad. We should actually go back home. And, you know, they were kind of breaking the news to me that, you know, it's not going to happen. The conference is going to be canceled and so on. So yeah, (laughs) we haven't really talked about the end of your, of your stay there. So do you think you, you made the best out of your stay in New Zealand? Did you manage to do a project that's an arts project that you were really proud about?
1: That's kind of a weird story because, you know, you when you just go somewhere to travel, you just enjoy the moment. But when you go somewhere with a, a project, an idea, you want to focus on it, but you still want to be able to have this travel. And for me, it was like experiencing a new country, uh, a new way to work, because I'm used to work in my workshop and everything, and work with new people, and I felt really overwhelmed. And I felt like I gathered a lot of materials, things that kind of feed my work and what I do now, mm-hmm. but I couldn't produce a piece there. It was really frustrating in mm. terms of work, What I wanted was exchange with scientists, and Mm. I had that, and I'm so happy And all the discussions we had together and everybody in the NIWA with Arnaud and like, I just, I wish I could have done more, but that's the same thing. You always wish you'd done more. Yeah, yeah.
0: One of my supervisors from France always told me, and I, I keep this kind of idea with me because I think it's really important. The idea is that it's better to produce something, even if it's not perfect, than waiting to be able to produce something perfect and actually never do anything.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I agree. Thank you for joining us on the Antipode. Next week, we'll be back with a kind of a follow-up to this discussion. And I will be back with uh, Ben to talk about the coronavirus and this crisis and the way it affects the world and travel. So thank you very much and see you next week.